Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Speak for Yourself. Joy Taylor, co-host of The Herd, Slick, Rick, Buecher, knowledgeable about all things. But before we get into anything, the news of the day, NFL, NFL, PA reached a settlement. Deshaun Watson suspended for 11 games along with a $5 million fine. Before we tell you what we have to say, here's what he had to say. Take a well, I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone, and I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And uh, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and keep pushing forward. And I've always, you know, stood on not disrespecting or sexual assaulting anyone. Finally, it appears that we are one step closer to this saga being over. I cannot wait to hear you all's reactions, particularly you, Joy. I know you've been hot on this topic. My instant reaction is this. There's one word, fair. I believe the 11-game suspension is fair. Why? Because we have gotten closer to accountability, not justice, because justice implies true restoration. And I do not believe that these women will have true restoration. I do not believe that Deshaun Watson's image will have true restoration. However, we see accountability, and accountability is one step closer towards justice. So my word that comes to mind is fair. This ruling is fair. The judge, former judge, saw six games as fit. The NFL said, you know what? That does not seem to fit the mold of Deshaun Watson, Watson's actions. 11 games is fair, plus a $5 million fine. For those of you all that think $5 million is a small number, do remember that Deshaun Watson's sophomore and junior season in the National Football League, his second and third year, he made $2.8 million combined essentially playing both of those seasons for free. Two seasons in which the Houston Texans made the playoffs. Fair. Not justice, because we will not see restoration. However, accountability and all you can ask for from human beings, all you can ask for from the NFL, all you can ask for, for Deshaun, from Deshaun Watson at this point in time is to be held accountable. That's my instantaneous reaction. Slick, Rick, Buker, where do you stand? My first, second, and third reaction was somehow, some way, Deshaun Watson, the Cleveland Browns, and the NFL snatched a loss, an obvious, embarrassing, ugly loss, and turned it around and made it as, po as good as they could possibly make it. Until I heard what Deshaun Watson just said. I was feeling so good about this being resolved that it was hefty enough. It's exactly what I said last week when we talked about this subject, what Deshaun Watson should offer, which is something bigger than the six games, something that was a little more meaningful, something that would satisfy people and might get Roger Goodell to say, okay, that 
is meaningful enough to allow you to play this season and play in meaningful games, play at the end of the season. But it came with, and I saw the statement that he released, which expressed remorse and culpability. And now I get a statement at the very end. So I get all the way to the one-yard line with a situation that I felt good about, and now I hear, not once, not but twice, someone talking about his innocence. That, this is not the time. it, It is so disappointing to get to a point and have my first, second, and third reaction be, we finally resolved this. But are you good about the ruling? Are you, or do you feel good with the 11 games of $5 million fine? Are you good with what the NFL and NFLPA have agreed to? Yes. I'm, agree- I'm, I'm good with all of that because I like, to, I like seeing that they resolved it without having to go to the arbitrator's ruling and saying this is, it's the league and the players' yeah. union working together. Love that. Loved, I, I don't want to say loved because of the circumstance that we're under, but I was v- extremely satisfied. I thought somehow they made this good. And then Deshaun Watson says what he says, and it was just like, err. Joy, where do you stand? Yeah, I, I agree with Rick. How I felt about this this morning when the news first came out and how I feel about it now are two very different feelings. As far as the ruling itself, this is the best case scenario for mm. everyone involved. Obviously, the NFL was not happy with the six games. I agreed based off of the precedence or lack thereof in this particular situation with the amount of women accusing Deshaun Watson. We have never seen anything to this level as far as the numbers in the NFL. So I I felt that it was unprecedented based off of the report that the independent arbitrator, former Judge Sue Robinson, gave. There was guilt. There was a pattern of behavior, a pattern of egregious behavior. There was lies told. So there was clearly an investigation that resulted in something happens and it was nonviolence. And this is the recommendation of of games. So when you look at the situation, the NFLPA is likely not going to sue. Had that happened, this would have dragged out for another year or possibly more. And Deshaun likely would have been on the field week one while that process was going on, which would have been a bad situation for the NFL overall. Now we know what the ruling is. The Browns can move forward on the field. Deshaun can then begin planning the the rest of his year and how he's going to approach everything. And the NFL got essentially double the number of games that was originally recommended. $5 million fine. By Sue Robinson. And as far as the fine goes, I'm glad there is a fine. I know people will argue because we're talking about $230 million guaranteed. And trees don't go to the sky. It's the largest fine in NFL history for a player Five million dollars, however much we throw these big numbers out, is a significant amount of money. I'm comfortable with the fine itself. I'm glad there is a fine. I do think that that does make a statement as well. So overall, as far as the ruling goes, I feel this was the best case scenario for everyone involved. No one was ever going to be happy on either end anywhere in the world. No one was going to agree with the right amount of number for these games for this suspension. So I feel that this is a a comfortable resting space for the situation. Yeah, I think that right now, at a minimum, everyone should be able to agree upon the fact that Deshaun Watson was reckless. Deshaun Watson was um, not careful at all whatsoever. And Deshaun Watson was predatory, at least to a degree. Even if you think that Deshaun Watson did nothing, everyone should be able to agree upon the fact that 63, 64 plus massage therapists, 17 months, roughly 3.8 massage therapists per month is 
reckless and dangerous. Sure. And he has to pay the stupid tax. The tax for just being unintelligent based upon your actions, not calling him an unintelligent individual, but those actions were very unintelligent. He does indeed have to pay the stupid tax. Joy, it seemed that while Rick was speaking, you were kind of co-signing by your face the aspect of Deshaun should not have said anything today. What do you think his approach should have been publicly based upon the ruling? Well, there's a lot that's been said, not just from Deshaun. A lot of people have spoken about this. Andrew Barry has spoken. The owner has spoken. Deshaun's agent has spoken. Deshaun has spoken. I don't think Olivia Pope could solve the situation at this point. Whenever something like this happens, and you can honestly say, and I do believe if you got a straight answer from Deshaun's camp, from Deshaun, from the Cleveland Browns owners and their coaches and organization, they have to feel comfortable with this. It's not ideal. Obviously, you would want Deshaun playing week one and playing the whole season from a football perspective. But you kind of got a, a, a win here. You don't have a year. This isn't dragging out another year, which could then potentially lead to a massive suspension. Do you think, though? Because I think that's the pivotal disagreement is that some might insinuate that Deshaun Watson and his camp and the Browns won. Whereas if you asked Deshaun Watson, if you asked his camp or if you asked the Cleveland Browns, I don't think they would feel comfortable with the statement that like they got off easy. I, I mean, I don't I don't know how if you're the Browns, you could think that this was a this was a bad situation. This could be so much worse. Yeah. Than it is sometimes whether you feel which at this point I don't want to get into the discussion of like what we think happened we got a report based off of an investigation that involved four women which is already a bigger number than we have ever seen in the history of the NFL so we're not even going to go into the 25 that sued we're not even going to go into the fact that the Texans settled with 30 let's just focus on the four that Sue Robinson read the investigation from you're already at an unprecedented number maybe it's not a win maybe there's not an appropriate word or I don't have the word to describe the situation but sometimes you have to take take the yeah. situation for what it is. So that being said, you've prepared a statement. You've put it out. You've worked with the PR team. You've worked with your crisis management team. Let it go. I don't need any more defending. I don't need any more extras. I don't need any more of this and second chances. We just got it today. Today we found out what the suspension is. Hours ago. Just, just give it a beat before you start trying to reverse the narrative on everything that's happened. But I would go a little stronger than that. Anybody who doesn't think, if, if, if the Browns or Deshaun Watson or his agent feel like they're taking one for the team in this circumstance, they are delusional. I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't say he's taking one for the team, but if you maintain innocence, which Deshaun Watson has maintained innocence. I'm just simply saying, I don't know if you can utter that Deshaun Watson feels like he got away with one after 11 games and $5 million. However, I'm going based on Roger Goodell's reaction to the six games, which was, this isn't nearly enough. We're going to have a fine and we want him to miss the season. And based on how the NFL has operated previously. So if they're not, if they're looking at through the prism of simply well, this is what the arbitrator said, and this is what we expected to get, then yes. But you're dealing with Roger Goodell in the NFL. Yeah. Now, if you're not taking that into account, then I don't know that you're, you're, you have a clear perspective on this. This is why I say they snatched victory from the jaws of ugliness and embarrassment. He gets to play this year, and he gets to play six games prior to presumably making the postseason. 
that's a hell of a lot more than what you were looking at realistically. Speaking of playing, Joy, let's play it forward on the field because now the Browns realize they're without their starting quarterback, $230 million quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback Deshaun Watson for 11 games, set to return week 13 against the Houston Texans. What should the Browns do with the quarterback position? In my mind, if you roll Jacoby Brissett out there for 11 games, you're basically cashing the season in. Right, I think Jacoby Brissett is a solid quarterback, but I don't think Slick that Jacoby Brissett can lead the Browns to the playoffs, knowing that the Ravens are in that division, knowing that Mike Tomlin is in that division, knowing that the Bengals are in that division. You got rid of Baker Mayfield, which you didn't have to do. It's already done. It's over with. There are guys like Jimmy G on the streets. What should the Browns do with the quarterback position? I don't think they should bring in Jimmy G at this point. The Cleveland Browns clearly knew that this was a possibility when they brought Deshaun Watson in because they signed him after all these allegations had come out. So there was no confusion about this being on the board, that they would be missing Deshaun Watson for some part of the season, possibly the entire season. Looking at the situation as it is now, if you bring in Jimmy G, what if Jimmy G is playing at a high level, which for Jimmy G is entirely possible. He could be terrible or he could be great. He could have them in the playoff run. Then you bring in Deshaun Watson, week 13 at the Texans. He hasn't played football in almost two years at this point. We, he looked rusty the other day. Now you're talking about almost an entire season of him not practicing at all. And you have this momentum running with another quarterback that you brought in. How can you insert Deshaun Watson into the, into the situation? How can you insert him into the start? role. Well, you'd have to because you're paying him $230 million guaranteed. Now he goes in there rusty, loses a few games. All of this is entirely possible. I don't expect him to come in when he does week 13 and be good. That would be insane. So then do you think the, the, the Browns should essentially just assume this, se- this season is a sunk cost? Like, you know what? Hey, Deshaun, you ain't playing. Brissett, you're not going to play well. Well, based off the contract that they gave him and the way that they structured it, it, se- it seems that they assumed that that was on the board. So, yes, I do think you have to give the starting job to Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun cannot practice once week one starts. So all the all the Team one reps should be going to Jacoby Brissett at this point. Deshaun should be getting as much action as he can, but not with the first team. Slick? No! Give, give up the season. To, what, because Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback? Look, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to lead them to the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett, as I agree with you, is not going to lead them to the playoffs. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Miles Garrett, that, like, that team is going to potentially get them to the playoffs. So I... Never counted on Brissett being some extraordinary quarterback. Can he be functional? Can he be capable? Yes, I believe all of that. Do I believe that the Browns collectively have a playoff caliber team? Yes, I do. Kareem Hunt is past his I want to be traded thing. He's in camp. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, the way that team is composed. What was our disappointment with Baker Mayfield last year? Because they were supposed to be a better team than they were. It's like you got to be realistic. You got to be realistic. And I don't mean necessarily Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins, realistic, but realistic in the sense that you might not win a ton this year. So maybe you should start thinking forward. You're not necessarily going to say, hey, let's throw any games. But Jacoby Brissett is not taking you to the playoffs more than likely. Now, he might get you six and five. Deshaun Watson comes back. Maybe if they run the table, you can get in. I just don't know that I anticipate this Browns team really competing in that AFC North division without Deshaun Watson for 11 weeks. Well, that's the issue, and that's where I would push back on on that, is this is not a division where you're going to be able to get away with that. And uh, I, I like Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, great, but you've got Mike Tomlin, you've got the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, you've got the 
Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, who just played in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you're going to have to bring yeah. something better than so, this. Yeah. The team is on paper a, a playoff team. Absolutely. That is, that is certain. But Baker Mayfield wasn't able to get it done. And Baker Mayfield is better than Jacoby Brissett. So I think that this is just a – I'm not saying tanking, but this is a punt of a season. And this, that was the intention of the NFL for adding extra games, that it would be punitive to the Cleveland Browns to bring Deshaun Watson in. Look, I, I get the idea. I'm not saying they're a bona fide playoff team. But what I'm hearing from you guys is, well, let's just cash it in. This season is over. And I can't, with the talent that the Browns have and the question marks that I have about where the Ravens are and where the Pittsburgh Steelers are – I'm not ready to say the Browns can't be a wild card team at the very That's least. Fair. That's fair. Optimistic, but it's fair. I look at it like this. The AFC North either has um, the greatest coach of the generation on the team or one of the greatest quarterbacks of the generation on the team. You're talking about Mike Tomlin, mm. one of the greatest coaches of the generation for the Steelers. Then you got Lamar Jackson, one of the greatest quarterbacks of the generation, and Joe Burrow, who was very early starting to prove himself as one of the greatest young quarterbacks, at least, of the generation. It's going to be hard for the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby set it's your time now let's see what you got coming up the cowboys offense took a hit this week cd lamb apparently injured slick rick big deal no deal ah it's the cowboys it's always a big deal (laughs) it's always a big deal speak for yourself we talking about cd and the cowboys that's next it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Saturday, it's baseball night in America on Fox as the Astros, H-Town, take on the Braves. Plus, the Mets face the Phillies and the Mariners battle the A's. It all goes down Saturday, 7 Eastern on Fox. Check for the game in your area. Moving back to the NFL, CeeDee Lamb, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Well, they were set back because CeeDee had a minor foot injury in practice. He's expected to be out today as well. Now, Lamb said he suffered a cut on his foot and had to get stitches. Aww. But officials do not think his injury is serious. Look, I don't care if officials don't think it's serious, I think it's serious. Why do I think it's serious? Because if you get a cut on your foot and we talking about it on our show, it's that it. means there's a problem. Why? Because CeeDee Lamb should afford to miss a practice, should be able to afford to miss a practice, and America not take note because the Cowboys are that deep at the position. Mm. But the second Cowboys receiver, James Washington, went down with an injury. We all held our breath. The second Michael Gallup said, you know what, I'm not going to be ready week one more than likely we all held our breath. Now CeeDee Lamb gun cut his foot and we still holding our breath. Cowboys are holding on by a thread to this wide receiver position. And it's a huge deal in my mind. The Cowboys don't have the luxury of taking any injuries. CeeDee Lamb 
last season was insurance. You had Amari Cooper. You knew Amari Cooper was probably going to get busy if CeeDee Lamb didn't get busy. He was insurance. Now CeeDee Lamb is the greatest of necessities in the National Football League at the wide receiver position because there is no one else. Is there no one else? Shout out to the gladiator. Um, There is no one else. And as I look at it, it's a huge deal because the Cowboys can't afford this. Joy, where are you at? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think what you said is absolutely right. They can't afford any more injuries. They have not they have no depth, particularly at the high end at the top. Last year, there was a luxury. You had Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb was essentially the number one receiver without getting paid as such, without the title, without the pressure. Well, now if you don't have CeeDee Lamb, who are you throwing <laughs> to? I'm like, I don't no you ain't Brown. Gonna find no names down there. Uh, okay, like I don't just, no uh, like I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a very very bad situation. Now obviously they're saying he will be back and it's not that serious, but you don't want there it's it's the thin ice situation yes. with the Cowboys. You do not want anyone particularly CD Lamb going into the regular season any anything less than as as good as you can be coming out of training camp. Obviously nobody is 100% at any point in this league. But this is not something you should feel comfortable with if you're a Cowboys fan. I so want to be the voice here to say, would you guys stop it? It's a cut. It's a couple stitches. It's no big deal. But here's the problem. You said that they don't have the luxury of losing anymore. Mm -hmm. They also don't have the luxury of being circumspect when it comes to an injury. Because I'm immediately, I saw this, nothing serious, nothing to see here. And I immediately thought of Dak Prescott's shoulder. When he, when he came back and, and his throwing arm, and he got sore. And it was no big deal, but then he's missing week after week of training camp. And then we think that there, are, there were repercussions from that, and as a result, he had the calf strain during the season, and that compromised the second half of his season. So when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and it comes to injuries, I'm sorry, am I being too much of a reporter to say, okay, where was the cut? How did he get the cut? How many stitches? Can I have an idea of exactly what we're dealing with? And for the Dallas Cowboys, look, I need a little bit more because you haven't always been forthcoming and you haven't always been accurate in your accounting of injuries. So please explain to me that there's nothing here, that there's no big deal. Slick, imagine how nervous you are right now if you're Dak Prescott. Hmm. Think about that for a second. That's what nobody's talking about. If you're Dak Prescott, mm. you realize every time a receiver goes down, that's five, six less touchdowns for you on the season. James Washington goes down. You're like, it's all good. I still got Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, you said you're not going to be Brad Week 1? Okay, I still got CD. Wait, CD, you got, you got hurt? You got cut? cut? What do you mean you got cut? Like, I was thinking about this this morning. <laughs> if I'm Dak Prescott, I don't even want to see C.D. Lamb take the shortcut to the locker room through the training room. I don't ever want to see C.D. In, in the training room. And for y'all that never been in NFL facilities, yeah. you can go to the locker room one of two ways. You can take the long yeah. route or you can cut through the training room typically. I don't ever want to see you C.D. Lamb in the training room. Joy, if you're Dak, how are you feeling right now? Well, you never, he's, I'm sure he doesn't feel great at all the, to everything we just discussed. C.D. Lamb is the guy. That's his number one target. 120 targets last season, 79 receptions, over 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And he's going to have to step up that production this year. So, yeah. of course, as, especially as a quarterback, you don't want any of your skill positions going into the season with any kind of issues like that. I'm sure Dak's nervous. Now, you could 
spin a positive and say that this is a year that Dak could show that he's really the guy because uh, he's not working with no 100% when it comes to his skill positions and particularly at the wide receiver, which I see a lot of undrafted free agents listed on this on this list on the depth chart. So, yeah, I think he feels very nervous, not because, you know, his numbers are going to go down. I think Dak is somebody who wants to win and CD yeah. is going to help them be able to do that. He actually, I think Dak should be the one out there saying, look, it's only a small cut. It was only two stitches. It's okay. <laughs> he should be the well, one I giving do, us the information. I do understand the Cowboys and particularly the Cowboys downplaying an injury. Most yeah. teams are not going to set out with the panic unless it's, okay, torn ACL, torn Achilles, out for the season. There's no, no need to kind of bubble wrap this. But you always want to downplay injuries. I get that. But if, this is a different type of injury, right? With a, with a cut? I mean, if we're talking about a sprain, we're talking about mm-hmm. a, a ligament issue, we're talking about a broken bone, it's some, this, this sounds like an accidental injury. Doesn't sound like something that necessarily happened on the field. What's fascinating to me, I don't think this injury is a big deal, right? Like, it's a cut. Right. I, I've, I've seen Thomas Davis play the Super Bowl against the Broncos, Super Bowl 50, with 15 stitches in his forearm because he had an entirely broken forearm. The injury itself isn't a big deal. It's the implication of CD's absence mm-hmm. when he gets injured. That's a big deal. Yeah. The Cowboys lost two winnable games last year. Las Vegas Raiders, Kansas City Chiefs, because Amari Cooper was down with COVID. Keep in mind, CD Lamb left half of one of those games with a concussion. So the Cowboys fans know all too well what it means if a star receiver goes down. But now I'm going to level with y'all from the NFL perspective. The reason it's a huge deal for the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys offense strikes no fear in the minds of defensive coordinators. I vividly remember calling Jordan Hicks, former linebacker for the Eagles, Super Bowl champion in 2016, Zeke Elliott's rookie season. I was my first year out the league. I said, bro, how in the world are you dealing with Zeke? He said, the dude is fast enough to run away from you and strong enough to run over you. Like, I was scared of Ezekiel Elliott his rookie year. Y'all remember the screen against Joy Taylor's Pittsburgh Steelers that Zeke took to the crib 80 yards put fear in my eyes and my heart and everything. Oh, if I'm looking at the Cowboys now, ain't nobody scaring me. Dalton Schultz, I'm covering you man-to-man with my best cover linebacker. Zeke, no fear in my eyes. I'm covering you with any linebacker. Noah Brown, you've typically been a blocking receiver. Michael Gallup, you coming off an ACL injury. You better prove it to me. Jalen Tolbert, you played for South Alabama, not the University of Alabama. You got to prove it to me too. CeeDee Lamb, okay, bet. I'm going to double you. You've already proven it to me. You put a little bit of fear in my eyes. Nobody from the Dallas Cowboys offense scares me as a defensive coordinator. That, to me, is the biggest deal. I I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but they were number one in yardage. It's a different roster last year. I'm with Joy on that. I've been saying this all season. Cowboys fans have been in my mentions. It's the same roster. No, it's not. It's not. Sorry for that. Sorry for that. Cowboys fans, I'm going too far. Sorry, Mom. But it it is not the same roster. Everyone was joking, oh, Cedric Wilson's gone. It's no big deal. Who cares about Cedric Wilson? I bet you they'd like to have Cedric Wilson now. Preaching. I bet you they're trying to make the money work with Amari Cooper now. Very quickly, your your depth can change. It can, your your whole world can change once injuries start to happen. Here's why. Let's talk schematics real quick. This is something that everybody can understand basic fundamentals of football it's 11 on 11 but truly it's 11 on 10 because you ain't got to guard the quarterback it's simple as that defender has one extra person 
Well, that one extra person is occupied by Amari Cooper. Hey, we're going to double you, which means CeeDee Lamb, you going one-on-one. It's time to eat. Dalton Schultz, you going one-on-one. It's time to eat. Oh, Amari, you gone? <laughs> safety, lean to CD. Other safety, eyeball Dalton Schultz. Who going to beat me? Who? Like who? CD Lamb's not beating a double team. I don't think he's yet creative enough or tactful enough in his route running. He's speedy. He's a great route runner. He's not beating double teams. People who beat double teams, Antonio Brown in their prime. Julio Jones in his prime. Calvin Johnson, he'll beat a triple team. But CD Lamb, he's not yet beating double teams. Dalton Schultz, you going to beat a double team? So who? That's how you can see a number one offense slide to a number 10 offense in the blink of an eye. Keep in mind that number one offense slick still wasn't good enough to win a playoff game at home against the 49ers team that's battered. Understood. That's where I am worried for the Dallas Cowboys. But we'll see how it plays out. Dak Prescott, it's on you now, big dog. Going from one quarterback to another. We got a lot more to say about the Deshaun Watson ruling and how the Browns should feel about it. That is next, coming up on Speak For You. So, don't go anywhere. Too much. Let's get back to the huge story. In Cleveland, the NFL and the NFLPA reached a settlement on Deshaun Watson, an 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine. Now, he's slated to be back, as I said earlier, week 13 against his former team, the Houston Texans. When I think about this, If I'm the Browns, I feel apathetic. I just feel like, well, don't even know how to feel. I have no enthusiasm either way. It's like you're giving me that look, but here's why. The Browns can't feel great about the season. If he would have got suspended for the entire season, they don't go to the playoffs. As it stands right now, I don't think they go to the playoffs. Sure, he'll come back for the last six games of the season, but if I'm a Cleveland Browns executive management or owner, I'm still already feeling like this season is a sunk cost. And now probably maybe to some degree even worse, I got a plan for him to be back. So as Joy so eloquently stated earlier in the show, if you did want to go get Jimmy G, you got to deal with the dilemma of what you're going to do come week 13 when you have Jimmy G and he might be playing well, but Deshaun comes back. At least if Deshaun was gone all season, you got a little bit more clarity. How I feel if I'm the Cleveland Browns, totally apathetic. It's not like I'm excited because he's still got 11 games, so our season's basically lost. And it's not like I'm disheartened, because he's still got 11 games, so our season's basically lost. I just feel like, well, that's that. They should be throwing a parade. They were looking at the possibility of not having Deshaun Watson all year, the guy that they gave more money to than anybody has ever received to date. So they're going to be able to at least offer the promise to their fans that you are going to see Deshaun Watson this year, and you're going to see him for six games. And this is our great disagreement right now in terms of what this means for the Cleveland Browns and their prospects for this season. I still believe they have a great shot, uh, largely because of the way the schedule heads up. Uh, First of all, that you get to come back and you play at Houston against the Texans. I mean, that, that is ratings gold. I hate to talk about ratings gold when we talk about the issue of why he's missing games but the reality is they've made a great business move in terms of who's going to be watching that game too four out of the last six games are on the road three are against divisional opponents so i don't know what deshaun watson is going to be when he gets back but at least the opportunity is there for him to demonstrate how good he is as a quarterback and why they're paying him all that money and get the browns into the postseason and if for all that happened because i'm not looking at it from they, design, they signed Deshaun Watson, and then, oh, lo and behold, uh, they didn't 
now we have all this stuff and now he's going to miss 11 games. I'm thinking you signed Deshaun Watson and you were looking at the prospect of not having him all year and this being a lost season. By all rights, should have been for everything that we know that the league has done. And now you're telling me that you're going to get him and you're going to get him at a time where you could still make something out of this season? I think this is a huge win for the Cleveland Browns. And if I'm the Browns, I am thankful that it turned out this way. I don't know if I can go as far as a huge win. Win is the word I'd like to use, but I don't know that it's appropriate. I think it's an answer. I think we have an answer and we can now game plan for what we're going to do with the season. Let's be honest. The Browns are not making the postseason this year, barring a, a miracle. We're talking about the AFC. I'm not, no, that, that's we're too talking much about honesty the AFC. for me. Like, they're, not, no. they're not winning this division, okay? You're not, they're not winning the division. We know that. We know that. So they're not going to win the division. That said, you have a you're aiming for a wild card position at this point. Can we be like the players union in the NFL? I will give you, I will compromise with you. They're not winning the division. Don't tell me that in all honesty, they're not making the playoffs. The AFC West exists. So no, they're not making the playoffs. Tough. It's going to be very, very hard for the Browns to make the playoffs. Okay. Deshaun Watson would have. First of all, not impossible. Of course, it's not impossible. I am operating under the idea that they're not going to make the playoffs based off of what I'm looking at on paper with the AFC. They're not going to win the division. So let's just we we all agree with that. Right. It's very unrealistic that the Browns are going to win the division based off of the fact that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the quarterback until week 13. You mentioned the the final games that that Deshaun Watson will be back for. Mm -hmm. So perhaps they can make a run. What kind of run are they going to go on? He hasn't played football in two years. I don't expect anything from Deshaun Watson when he comes back. Now, there will be expectations of him, the highest expectations of him because of the contract added to this situation, but it's not going, they're not going to be realistic expectations. He wouldn't have played football in two years. There will be rust. He won't be able to practice. There will be a, an adjustment period to the, the playbook. There's, there's going to be some fall off when Deshaun Watson comes back. Maybe not depending on how Jacoby Brissett is playing, but I don't believe that the Browns are a playoff team with this current situation that you're looking at. So to answer the question about how the Browns should feel, the Browns had to be aware from the start that this was going to basically be a punt of a season, that there was on the board that Deshaun Watson was not going to play for at least a portion of this season. What would that, how would that affect the team and potentially the entire season? So that's the reason also why they structured his contract that way. That's the reason why he went there. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, they're not winning the division. We know that because the Bengals exist. Like, your Bengals exist. And the Ravens. Like, look, I've never Ra- has a Bengals fan uh, pitched so hard for the Cleveland Browns <laughs> as I have on this show so far. So I do not think they're going to win. If it's me, obviously, to me, the division is going to the Bengals. I think the Ravens will take a wild card spot. Then beyond that, the AFC is just stacked. The reason that... Browns fans must really just be like, well, let's wait and see. Kind of the joy's point. It's an answer. I don't think it's a good answer. I don't think it's a bad answer. It's just an answer. It's because the season is almost going to be a wash. My real thought is this. If you're going to come to the party this late, there's no point in coming to the party at all. And we've been in those situations before where your homie, your homeboy, your homegirl calls you. Hey, should I still come out here? And you're like, nah, it's about to end anyway. That's how I feel about Deshaun Watson with this Cleveland Brown season. He'll make a little bit of money this season. He'll show up and sell some tickets this season. But he's coming to the party slick so late. I think it's worth it. Well, for, first of all, look, he gets training camp now as a result of the of the resolution, right? He gets three weeks before he has to play his first game. There's a bye week, two weeks before he plays. Uh, and... 
you get a chance to see Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Watson, to your point, gets a chance to play. So even if you're saying this season is a wash, it gives him an opportunity to get his feet wet and the Browns to get a feel for who he is sure. before they go into next season. Sure. Hopefully, you know, when he does, in fact, come back for the sake of the Cleveland Browns, their team is still intact. They still have playoff chances, and we'll see what happens there. Aaron Rodgers transitioning. He called out his young receivers. Then he had a meeting the next day. I don't know how I feel about that emotional turmoil. Joy, how do you think he's handling the situation? I think he's being a great leader. <laughs> making good decisions. That is the first and only time I've heard of Aaron Rodgers making good decisions. All right, we got a lot more on the reigning MVP and the Packers after the break. A great wow. leader, Aaron Rodgers. His first decision. <laughs> Sunday, don't miss your chance to win $10,000 of Terry Bradshaw's money. I'm with that. That's on Fox Bet Super 6 app, where 80,000 winners have won over $6.5 million to date. Simply scan the QR code, download the app, and enter your six picks into the Ravens-Cardinals preseason contest for your free, yes, I said it, free chance at the jackpot. Ooh, well, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers, because I don't think he's hit the jackpot, not at the wide receiver core, at least. He publicly called out his young receivers early in the week. They dropped passes, they ran bad routes, it led to three interceptions in their preseason game against the 49ers. Well, yesterday, he had a meeting with them and members of the offensive staff. Now, Joy, thank God it wasn't one of those players-only meetings. I mean, it was way too early in the season for mm -hmm. a players-only meeting. So it wasn't that, but it was a meeting nonetheless. Aaron Rodgers is stuck between a rock and a hard place, and I truly do pity Aaron Rodgers right now because he doesn't have the youth to babysit all of these young receivers and try to nurture them into the wisdom of the old receivers he's used to having, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Devontae Adams. So he doesn't necessarily have that youth to nurture these young pups, but he doesn't have a choice. Aaron Rodgers, 38 years of age, $150 million deal, back-to-back -back MVPs. Aaron Rodgers has proven to be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football and the greatest football player playing right now. So he needs his receivers to step up and ball right now, but you're going to call him out. Then after calling him out, you're going to call him in to a meeting? It's like, Rodgers, you got to pick one, big dog. Am I going to uh, publicly uh, call y'all out or privately call y'all in. If I'm one of these young receivers, I'm all types of confused. No, this is perfect. He's playing both good cop and bad cop. <laughs> I gotta let everybody know that this is not acceptable and I need to let everybody know publicly. But Let's, let's, walk, let's walk through it. Let's figure out how we can do this together. And let's, let's frame this correctly. This is not like Aaron Rodgers. Hey, you all, young receivers, come on over here. This was all the quarterbacks and all yeah. of the receivers true, true, true. meeting. And again, this is where we disagree in terms of the importance of these ultra-young receivers to Aaron Rodgers right now. Could he need them at some point this season? Is there an expectation and a level to be reached when you are a Green Bay Packers wide receiver? No doubt. And I appreciate that he's uh, making, them, making that standard clear to them. But Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, maybe Christian is going to be are going to be the guys Wait a second. who are going Wait a second. to determine. Wait a second. What's this? Like, whether this is a thirty. So I need. Oh no, no. no. I, so you're right. I, Robert <laughs> Tanyan forgot him as well. Say his name. Right. Because 
If, Joy, if I am going to this figurative football fight, okay, we're going to a football fight, okay? Joy Taylor's coming to the football fight, and she's showing up with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. She's showing up with Leonard Fournette. And I'm coming to the same football fight, and I'm rolling out a, a Sammy Watkins. Like, old Pokemon, big dog. Like, a Sammy Watkins ain't going to win you too many battles. A Christian Watson, he ain't going to win you too many battles. A older Randall Cobb, he's not going to win you too many battles. Joy's outdueling me in that football fight if she shows up with a Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. And I want to roll out there with a Sammy Watkins who ain't seen a 1,000-yard season since 2015. I need more than that, Slick. I need a little bit more than that. Okay, but then he's in trouble from the beginning. Then, then handling these wide receivers, the young wide receivers, the, the fate's already determined for the Green Bay Packers. What I've seen with Aaron Rodgers is his ability to take an Alan Lazard and make him a number one receiver. That's Just true. because he doesn't have the reputation right now, true. Uh, any number of the guys that he's worked with over the years didn't necessarily have the reputation coming in, right? Yeah. Devontae Adams didn't have Not that reputation coming in. So if Aaron Rodgers says... I'm counting on Alan Lazard to be a number one, and I believe he can be. That's really all I need. I, you can throw the names out there, but I've seen Aaron Rodgers work his magic with any number of wide receivers, and if you think he can do it with, with Lazard, then that's all I need. I don't need to know that any of those young receivers that can't catch a ball right now are going to make the difference. But they're sort of in the similar situation as the Cowboys, where the top end is very thin. There are guys, but to Emmanuel's point, guys that haven't contributed at a high level in a long time. And the bulk of this is young quarterbacks. Also, if Aaron is out here saying that this is a problem, I'm going to go ahead and believe Aaron that it's a problem. And he clearly feels that these young receivers are going to play a massive role in the Green Bay Packers' success this year. Because this is not a very characteristic move of Aaron Rodgers. This is a little out of his his way of doing things. You know, he's very zen. He's very, you know, he does things different, which is why I like this. This is a, a, a strong leadership move. I'm okay with him calling them out publicly. He's the big dog. He's back-to-back -back MVP. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's earned the right to be able to go out and publicly say, y'all aren't playing up to Green Bay Packers standards. True. I need more from you. I need you to be more disciplined. I need you to take this more seriously. And who knows what's going on in camp, but he clearly felt the need to do that. And I like that he followed it up with a meeting. So he's not just airing them out and then not sitting there in a room explaining how he feels and what should happen with the offense. I think that there is a sense of urgency with him this year, which is it, it's not quite pushing me to away from being concerned about how their year is going to go. But I do like that he is being assertive in the situation, particularly with young players, because he is setting the standard. And to the point that you made earlier about being someone who doesn't want to hold young players' hands mm -hmm. and teach them how to be pros. Cool. I don't need to do that. I'm going to tell you you're not doing it right. You figure it out. I don't need it's to risky. be spending my time teaching you how to be a professional and how we do things around Here is why it's risky. If you are ever going to call me out, call me in first. Meaning, if Aaron Rodgers is going to publicly call out them receivers... Let them know privately what you're about to say publicly before you surprise well, everybody. We don't know by he didn't do that. We don't know that he didn't tell them in camp or after after a practice like this is not this is not how we do things. True. And then it continued. True. All I can comment on is what we have been given, which is sure. based off the timeline. We know we called him out publicly before the private meeting. But I think my bigger issue is that the Packers top end receivers aren't top end. 
That's what it starts, and that's where it stops. Cowboys top-end receiver CeeDee Lamb, as Joy said, and I don't have the notes in front of me, but over 100 targets, 70 receptions, 1,100 yards. Alan Lazard, who's supposed to be the Packers' number one receiver this year, if I'm not mistaken, he was undrafted out of Iowa State. I loved him at Iowa State. I'm a Big 12 guy. Watched all of his games at Iowa State. He's been in the league four years. 109 total catches. 500 yards last year. That's the Packers' number one receiver. Their number three receiver or two receiver, Randall Cobb, 1,000-yard season. Yeah, he, he did in 2014. The number three receiver or number two receiver, Sammy Watkins, 1,000-yard season, baby, in 2015. So the Packers' top-end receivers, they not top-end. It's like if I get into a car but the governor's at 70 miles an hour, I can put my foot pedal to the metal, but I'm getting topped out at 70. I think the Packers are in a dilemma slick even with their healthy receivers. So Aaron Rodgers, you got to figure out how to manipulate the situation as best as possible, and this is not as best as possible in my mind. Are we talking about the two-time back-to-back MVP as yep, the quarterback? the one that got bounced in the playoffs last so, year. So we can't time. compare him to Dak Prescott. True. Right? That is true. There's a great distinction. That is true. And again, the number one thing for me is I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers at his word. If he says Alan Lazard can be what he made all of these other, Devontae Adams and all of these other uh, wide receivers, then I'm going to say, okay, show me, Aaron. And when it comes to these young outside But you got to take him at his word you can't just pick which word you're going to take because you also got to take him at his word that these young guys are are important and need to step it up. I don't take half of his word. He said that they have to step up. I don't know that he said that they're important. I think by him saying that they need to step up, he's implying that they're important. If he didn't feel they were important, why is he wasting his breath? Particularly Aaron Rodgers, who this doesn't do things like this. At, At some point they're going to be important. Bro, right? I think at the beginning. Like coming out of the gate. Who, 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 who are the Packers going to lean on then? Who, like, who's going to be their number one receiver? Well, Alan Lazard? Yes. He's only ever had 500 yards in a season. I get that. Look, I'm not stumping for Alan Lazard. I'm stumping for Aaron Rodgers saying, I'm stumping for Alan, Aaron Rodgers stumping for Alan Lazard. Here's the thing. I think Aaron Rodgers is stumped. That's why he's calling <laughs> him out and calling him in. Coming up, something else that don't make sense joint practices because fights continue to break out. Christian McCaffrey was the latest one in one. I'll have my final thought on that. Speak for yourself. Yeah, he's stumped, guys. Uh, yeah, you're stumped. It's time for my final thought. And NFL players, I've heard you loud and clear. Joint practices, they are indeed dumb. Cam Hayward, Steelers current legend, took to Twitter talking about how dumb joint practices are. And I got a co-sign. I'm not much of a co-signer, but it really makes no sense. The players spend all week giving their moves at a joint practice. Then in the preseason game, they try the same move and it gets stuffed in front of a national audience and their fan base. Furthermore, you got fights breaking out at joint practices. Dudes getting suplexed. Dudes throwing right and left hooks. I just don't see the game. NFL coaches, enough with it. Your players hate it. I speak for yourself. We'll see you tomorrow.